0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Tech Educator Podcast, your home for professional development. Thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome. Tonight's show we're going to be talking all about coding in the social studies classroom. Can you code in the social studies classroom? Can you really like combine STEM education and the humanities together? Tonight we're going to be arguing that conversation and figuring out um, exactly what we can do. We've got some great guests on but first I want to uh, share a Big announcement that happened today. I don't know if you guys heard the sonic boom, but the Edu triplets turned four years old today. It was certainly a big event at our house. And I'm saying this at the top of the show only because uh, we're about ready to go down to Atlantic City for the Teachers Convention where they were born. And I want to say it out there one more time to everybody listening thank you so much for the support. They're doing amazing. Uh, Four years old. I couldn't believe it tonight. But. I want to bring on our co-host for tonight, Mr. Sam Patterson. Sam, how are you today? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great, but I can't believe it's been four years. It has been four years. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and um, four years. But how are you? I'm great. Beautiful day
1: here in sunny Southern California. Excellent. I'm sure
0: just like here, it was about 30 degrees, right?
1: If you buy 30 mean 75, yes, that's exactly what it was like here.
0: Excellent. Now, tonight you're going to be talking to us a little bit about coding as we, of course, prepare for the hour of code coming up. Um, and, and You, you know, I'm, I'm really going to be talking about
1: learning, Jeff. No, I think, no, 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 no. we're
0: coding. Is We're talking about coding tonight. Well,
1: I mean, that's, that's one of the tools we use to learn, right? I think sometimes people get really stressed out about this idea of coding, and we talk about coding in the social studies classroom. They think we're going to have, like, VR machines strapped to the kids' faces and their hands tied to keyboards, but, but, but it's not like that.
0: Let's bring in an administrator here. Uh, Rob, oh, how are dang. you today? Um, how are things up in Connecticut?
2: Cold. Cold. Just like in New Jersey. You
0: say code? You're coding up in Connecticut? Uh, The hour of code.
2: The hour of cold.
0: It's been more than an hour. Rob, tell us a little bit about yourself. What are you doing these days?
2: Uh, Just been busy. Um, Just went to Relay Principal Fellowship Program. I was there in New York City for a few days. Uh, Great three days of learning. A lot going on. and I am a former social studies teacher, so I'm excited for tonight's show.
0: That is absolutely perfect. Now, Rob, I'm sure that you were coding constantly in your classroom. Talk to us a little bit about some of the coding things that you were doing, because tonight we're talking all about coding. Oh,
2: well, we did the hour of code. You did?
0: Good. See, Sam, I told you, you, can, you can bring coding into social studies only for an hour a year, though.
1: <laughs> right. Well, you know, as long as you get the hour of code and then you turn the heat on.
0: What, uh, what type of socials? What, what, what were you teaching, Rob?
2: taught American history, 8th grade American history, 7th grade world geography and cultures.
0: Nice. Sam, is it possible to bring STEM education into a classroom like Rob's?
1: Sure, you can, you can. You know, even bring an elephant indoors. But the question is, is it appropriate, right? Hey, and Sam, I is it, a, is it appropriate admit. to
0: bring coding into to a socialist classroom?
1: It really, really is. You know why? Because kids care about coding and in a lot of ways, programming, especially when done with a platform like Scratch, is really just another opportunity to give kids an opportunity to do stuff with the information you're giving them.
0: How does that work? Because, Well, I thought that we could spend today's show
1: talking about a couple different actual programs that I've seen in Scratch and how they relate to assignments I know teachers give.
0: Well, let's take a look at that. We've had Scratch on the show a few times, actually, this this calendar year, in fact. We've done a lot of stuff. Sam, move to your left a little bit. Um, Now, one of the things about Scratch is it's a pretty robust but simple programming language.
1: Right. Scratch is a block-based programming language, and if you're a teacher and you've never used Scratch and you work with students second grade or above – Go ahead and hit pause on this, even Jeff, though Jeff would say don't do it. Uh, subscribe to the show first and then set up a Scratch account because it's a really simple platform that allows students to create animations, videos, games, and interactive displays.
0: And the cost on that would be? Nothing dollars and nothing cents. That is pretty awesome. Now, when we're looking at this, there's a few different things that we're going to bring up today, and then what we're going to do is we're going to actually show you guys how to demonstrate this, right? Because a lot of times teachers are wanting to put resources together, so stick around for the end of this show. We've got a great free Chrome extension that we're going to be talking about of how teachers can build a Scratch program or what is the actual term? Is it Scratch Pro? What, what, what a yeah, it is,
1: it is write a program in Scratch.
0: So how teachers can write a program in Scratch and then record themselves to flip your coding classroom. Now, Sam, the first thing that you were talking about is how to create interactive timelines. Um, Rob, you did a lot with timelines, didn't you?
2: did yeah, absolutely. And
0: have you ever thought about building a timeline in a coding program?
2: No.
1: Sam,
0: is this easy to do?
1: It's so easy to do that when you look at it, you initially think, huh, that's kind of like a simple web page or kind of like a slideshow. Basically, in Scratch, the students can set up different screens and backgrounds. And this interactive timeline I found by putting the word timeline into the search bar Uh, at the Scratch website. The Scratch website is scratch.mit.edu because Scratch is developed by the good folks at MIT. So when you go to the Scratch website and you search for timeline, you can find a bunch of different examples because you're not going to be the first teacher to use Scratch in a social studies classroom. And I think that's probably the most important thing for people to realize. That if you've never looked at Scratch, the most important reason to look at Scratch is because a bunch of other teachers have already scratched all this stuff up. And there's a bunch of programs on Scratch already made by teachers and kids. With this one, you go to the program and it says it's made for social studies class and couldn't figure out how to put it on a disk. Hope it can work this way. <laughs> so in the notes, the user whose name is Maz Garia um, just kind of put what description they felt made sense when i click on the green flag to start it it changes to a very patriotic image of an eagle looking kind of angry over a flag and then goes to a timeline of the american revolution that spans from march 5th 1770 to the treaty of paris in 1783 there are maybe 18 different spots on this timeline and when i click on december 25th 1776 crossing the delaware a paragraph pops up that looks like it's maybe two to three hundred words about crossing the delaware so we can quickly see that this program is the heft of a short report of information on the events of the American Revolution, with all of the events set up in relation to each other on a timeline. So it actually demonstrates uh, their understanding of these events and when they happened in relationship to each other.
2: So Sam, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Um, How is using scratch for a timeline different than say using a program like capsules? Capsules is a, it's a timeline creator. It's free. You can go in It. I mean, it, it. they're pretty similar, correct?
1: I'm, I'm sure they are right. Like this is just one of, you know, one of the many things you can do with Scratch, but there's also a lot of different ways that this could be created inside of Scratch. One of the things I really like about Scratch is the open endedness of the platform. There aren't templates. Um, which can be kind of a double-edged sword at points, but you can use other people's programs as a starting point. So
2: so I'm thinking from a teacher's lens, one of the things that could be really cool is that you, you think of a traditional timeline across the page that has different bullets, but if you, you could actually make it where kids could be creating their own timelines. Now, it might take a little bit longer, but could you imagine... The creativity that you'd be adding for students to build and create a timeline that works best for them
1: right and and that's the thing is there's so much choice in this platform that and the students can customize it so much that it's not just like there's a limited number of choices that you can make you can make a timeline in google docs right we could do a whole show called making timelines in google docs it'd be like Uh eight and a half minutes long there'd be 25 different ways to do it but you'd spend most of the time arguing with the kids about what fonts they should be using because there are actually so few choices in google docs that the ones they can make they end up making ludicrous choices with because there's so few choices to make so you know just like the four themes in imovie they always pick the one that annoys me the most because there just aren't that many to choose from so the number of choices inside of scratch though is almost infinite. It's whatever they can really conceive of or imagine, and they can put these switches wherever. It really reminds me of uh, the programming I first did creating web pages where I was building, you know, very simple HTML based web pages. Um, But looking at this through the lens of a literacy teacher, I see a five to 7000 word interactive display that they've created. And, you know, the only way those words are getting in there is they're typing them in. They're not copying and pasting this from somewhere. They had to, you know, actually come up with that. As long as you create the assignment in such a way that they're not just, you know, porting over content and doing a bad job and calling it done. You're good.
0: Sam, it seems almost too easy, right? I mean, there's a lot of teachers out there that are saying, I don't know how to do this. This is foreign to me. What advice do you have for any teacher that wants to learn about this stuff?
1: I would advise any teacher who looks at this and says, I don't know how to do that. That seems foreign to me to repeat that exact same phrase, but with 10,000 times more enthusiasm, (laughs) because it's, it's really what you have to do is you have to say, okay, we're going to do this coding thing and I'm going to rely on my students to learn it as we go and to teach me how to do it. And we're going to look up stuff on YouTube. And we're going to figure this out. But what you're not going to be able to do is learn faster than the kids or stay ahead of the kids, right? So not knowing exactly how it works is okay. Because there's a lot of ways to learn how one of the first ways is actually on the code.org site, there's several different scratch tutorials that will walk you through how to work with scratch.
0: Now, one of the things that a teacher might want to learn how to do is to use coding to create assessments or (laughs) pre-assessment programs. Um, One of which I I know you were talking about is to do Jeopardy games.
1: Right. I used to do a Jeopardy game that was based in PowerPoint. Did you ever use that Jeopardy game, Jeff?
0: I did. And I I have some great tutorials on TeacherCast for anybody wanting to do that with uh, Google Sites as well.
2: Right. uh, Right. Right. I yeah. did as well i mean it was just such a hands-on thing for kids right
1: and jeopardy is such a great trope right because you can put a lot of close-ended questions together you can rank them it can be a little competitive it can be a little bit of fun and of course people have created jeopardy games inside of scratch also so just as i would as a teacher go in and create vocab jeopardy and change all The answers and the questions and, you know, write my own clues and that kind of stuff. The kids can do that too. having and if you've ever done this, if you can get kids excited enough to actually put a Jeopardy game together, the amount of time they spend going through that content in some degree of detail is really quite amazing.
0: Now, what does that look like? Because I know Scratch as you have the cat that walks up and down to block-based coding, but then you've got Jeopardy PowerPoint, which is the grids, and you have the numbers, and it looks like a Jeopardy board. How does block-based coding equal Jeopardy?
1: Well, what you can do is, um, I'm actually going to look inside of this program right now so I can see how they did it. So... When you described Scratch, you said you've got the cat and kind of a background, right? right? Right. And that cat is what's known as a sprite. A sprite is a character or an object on the screen. Sprites can be characters like cats, but they can also be buttons. Ooh. And if you think of that Jeopardy grid as a stack of square buttons, okay. this author has built each one of those squares as their own character. So the, the $250 grid under the fourth one is called D250, and the third one is C250. So they built each of these, and when they have it so that when you click on one of the sprites, it's actually animated, and it gets really big, just like it does on the show, and then it turns into the question.
0: Is this difficult or, answer, or is this a right. template? I mean, I know we're, we're going to certainly put links to everything here in our show notes. Now, what it, was that question again, Jeff? Is is this something that a, 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 an average teacher can build? Or do you have to be a, an MIT graduate to be able to build this in Scratch? I mean, obviously well, in our you show know what? notes. We're Building gonna... this from nothing would take some time. Okay.
1: But if I was going to use this, I would not build it from nothing. Because almost none of the work you do in Scratch, if it's complex at all, starts from nothing. You do you use other people's code. Right here on the right-hand side of the page, there's a button that says Remix. I click that. It gives me my own copy of this. Just like I had my own copy of the PowerPoint Jeopardy game, and I have my own copy in Google Drive of the Google Slides Jeopardy game, right? Mm-hmm. So it's that same kind of thing where you're taking the structure that somebody else has built and you're building your own content into it. Now, you could say, well, the kids would learn a lot more about coding if they built it all themselves. Well, yes, they would. But this is social studies class.
0: Rob, could you ever imagine putting something like this together or even if we take modern times? How could you bring this into your school district at, say, a department faculty meeting and say, hey, guys, I know this is a little out there, but try this whole Scratch program in your English class, in your social studies class, in your math class?
2: So I think I would start small. I would start in our library learning common. And I would find a way for our librarian to connect with the classroom teacher so that they can combine and do a project together. Um, and it could be that they're doing, say timeline for social studies in fourth grade. And then when they go to the library and and it's their computer lesson, they can build that timeline as part of a, a connection to the class, because I could see, um, at least from rolling this out that it would be something that would take time. And it's the one thing that, that you know, it doesn't stop it. We have, we have to keep moving. And so that's where I would start ha, ha,
1: <laughs> ha, on your false momentum. Now, one of the great things about coding and the reason that it's worth the time it takes is because you actually allow, it, it actually does slow the process down. It gives the students more thoughtful time on task and makes it harder for the students who are engaging superficially to rush through because of the novelty of the task. Obviously, if you make something like if every time you do a lesson at the end of it, you have them crank out a new version of jeopardy it's going to get tiresome and irrelevant quickly um but yeah that's
2: that's with anything right and
1: i agree with what what you were saying rob where the way to really like if you want someone to take this on who's never done anything like this at all and there's not a lot of it just kind of laying around in the school then you know really shepherding them through the process the first couple of times with some assistance can make a huge difference because this is risky stuff. It might not work, right?
2: But that's the beauty of it is that we're modeling learning for kids. And right. But I do think that um, if I wrote, said to a teacher, hey, try this, I'd get some reservations. But if I said, hey, why don't you and our librarian connect and build on this project I think that they would have more of a, they would be like, yeah, sure. That's a great idea. Let's give it a shot.
1: Right. Because then not only is the, the prep split, but so is the risk. And I think that, you know, we can all get on the bandwagon of, oh, everybody should this or everybody should that. But every time we try something new in our classroom. We're nine times out of 10, setting aside something that has worked well enough in order to try something new that will hopefully work better or different. Um, One of the reasons that I really advocate for using tools like coding and scratch is because when I use them in my classroom, I see a different set of students experience success. And Can they can actually be helpful to their peers, right? These are not students that when we're all writing paragraphs, everyone's like, hey, Bob, come over and help me write this paragraph. But when they're coding, they're like, hey, Bob, why isn't this working? And Bob can come over and help them and get it fixed. And, you know, Bob has a different social value in the classroom when we're coding than when we're not because coding makes sense to Bob and he enjoys it. So, you know, there's those kids in each of my classes. So you know, using coding as just one more kind of item on the menu of self-expression um, has been really transformational to me, and it's taken a long time to get to where I'm at. I mean, I've been using programming in my classroom for six years now, and I'm just getting to the point where I feel much more comfortable with it. But it is a risk, but it's worth it because the learning is different when you use coding.
0: Mm. Sam, when it comes to these types of programs and these types of activities, I like to ask you this, but how young are we talking here? I mean, the one question I was looking at is everything that you just said clearly is teacher sets up ahead of time versus where the kids are going to be building a Jeopardy board or the kids are going to be like teachers. But even when when the kids are going to be building a
1: Jeopardy board, you really want to be giving them like I always give my students three or four scratch programs like. There was a fourth-grade project we did a couple years ago where you ever play the game Oregon Trail, Jeff? Uh, f- I Yeah. Right, Rob? Oregon Trail? You've died of dysentery, haven't you?
2: A uh, hundred times. We had right?
1: dysentery
0: right here. Oh, there's the four-year-olds. Never mind. No, never
1: mind. Um, I found a couple years ago a emulator for the old DOS version, like the OG green on black Oregon Trail, and I made my fourth-graders play it. And they were just like, "Oh my God, this is awful, right?" And I—that's when I realized that I'm the same same age as Oregon Trail.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and they're like, "Oh my goodness, this is so old and outdated." And I'm like, "Ow, ow,
0: ow." But um, is that the Oregon Trail or the game?
1: Ouch! I'm coming for you, youngin. <laughs> I know. Where um, you live. I don't need to. You have triplets. You'll get yours. Four years old. Um. <laughs> but then I gave them. Uh, Several different versions of Oregon Trail that people had built in Scratch. And I asked them to create a game about the Gold Rush. So I gave them documents that they could essentially rebuild into a Gold Rush game. And that was really successful because I only wanted them to build a couple screens worth of the game. And they could shop through all of the examples of Oregon Trail and figure out which ones they wanted to replicate and how they were going to do that. Um, but so can I the, add? The,
2: can I add the, to that there, Sam? For a yeah, second? that to me is different because not they're obviously studying about the Gold Rush, right? Mm-hmm. In in social studies. And now you're taking the idea of the Oregon Trail and you're asking them to create a unique product. Right. And that is, I think that that is that whole creation when we're looking at say the rigor relevance framework or we're looking at Bloom's taxonomy creating. So is so high. It's the highest on the list, but it's also the idea that it's a relevant, unique product. And I think that the opportunity for other kids to be able to play that game. Right, It is also something that is like, wow. And and so your engagement level just goes through the roof.
1: Right, because they end yeah, up making a text that matters, matters to their
2: classmates. Class. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's phenomenal.
0: Sam, let's... And say- that's... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I mean, there, there's clearly there's a lot of good ideas that we can do with this. I mean, I, when we start started to throw this topic around here... You know, we threw this out there because I've been recently working with our social studies department. And I'm not running out of ideas at any length, but I'm going, well, what out of the traditional stuff can we get rid of and bring in some of these coding skills? You know, I'm also working right now and trying to start a robotics club in our school district. Well, how do you start robotics? You can start with the robot people, or you can go look at the general population and start to bring robots to them, hoping then that they would. Join the robotics club. So, uh, you know, you and I have talked several times coding, where mm-hmm. maybe the robot is on the European area and they have to code across the Atlantic City, wow, well, around the Atlantic Ocean. To, that's <laughs> a different activity. That, that's what Yay! I'm going to yeah. different kind of robot. I'll, I'll be I'll be I'll be doing that one this weekend at the teachers convention. Um, but, okay, so they have to code their robot across the seven seas to get to the new world, All right, And we can put obstacles. Right. In, like, that is a coding program that you can bring into your social studies classrooms. Or you could you could code uh, dot and dash across your floor because they're doing westward expansion or something like that, right? So there's right. ways in, in to bring that grade, in. In third grade,
1: we would actually code the solar system. So the robot would have to navigate to the different planets of the solar system. That's pretty
0: neat right and a good podcasting topic now there you go what happens if a teacher wants to record a lesson or create a lesson or create a tutorial for that Um, are there any good chrome extensions that are out there that can be useful if a teacher has an example and wants to screencast themselves i know of one i found a few but I, I want to recommend one here. What do you, what do you know, Sam?
1: Well, I, I hear a lot about Screencastify.
0: It's a very, very good one. And did I mention earlier on the show? It's free. Um, we've been using Screencastify an awful lot in our school. Um, Rob, have you used Screencastify?
2: Have not. Thanks, you, Rob. So we haven't. <laughs> um, we, there's other things that we have used. But,
0: but, um, what are you using? We've used
2: Screencast-O-Matic. Okay. Um, that was one that that I've had teachers use for just creating quick. I had um, different grades teaching different subjects, so they made quick webinar-type stuff.
0: Screencast-O-Matic is great. Screencastify is great. I saw, I saw a Chrome extension today called Loom, L-O-O-M. Um, Sam, of course, Does we... we make a sweater? Uh, no, 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 no! It, oh. It's it's pretty good.
2: It, it, it makes a shirt, though. It makes a shirt. Oh, yes, okay.
0: yes. Uh, it's uh, it's it's not bad. I got to tell you that. Did did I just? Oh, was boy. that was that? Did I just oh. make? I think I just made Sam crack up on that one.
1: That was that was awesome. That was awesome. That was awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just like yeah. a table. Um. But there's a lot of great free Chrome extensions out there for anybody that wants to do you know, screencasting or videotaping themselves. We've been doing a lot of work with our kids of using Screencastify, but then actually using it on the front-facing camera. So the kids have to speak into it. We've been doing that rather than you know, take out your phone and record with things. Now, Sam, uh, you know that over the summertime, we released our first round of TeacherCast Best in Class awards, and we had two that were out there. Um, if you can speak a couple seconds about Camtasia, a great screencasting app.
1: I am a devout user of Camtasia for screencasting because I have found it solves one of the biggest problems I had as a teacher. What I found was when I wanted my kids to be doing all of the super inventive stuff, if I kept the directions for that super inventive stuff in my head then they would just follow me around the classroom the whole time. And that was really hard to get work done. So I could use screencasting tools like Camtasia to record the thoughts in my head so that when I wanted them to know my thoughts, I could just have them watch the video and then they wouldn't follow me around.
0: (laughs) And the other one that we we were celebrating this summer was Telestream's ScreenFlow, another great um, app. And of course, you can find all the links to those things in our show notes. Sam look, clearly there's a lot of great ways to bring coding into the social studies classroom whether it be through jeopardy games, other types of quizzes and assessments or just really keeping your eye open and using what somebody else has used. There's no shame in acquiring a template and messing around with it. Sam one more not time, not only is there no shame in it, it's standard accepted yes. practice in programming. You just give credit to the person that you're building off of absolutely completely agree with that um we of course want to thank our live audience over here on teachercast.tv thank you. we've had a large audience of course we're broadcasting live to teachercast.tv also broadcasting to youtube broadcasting to facebook periscope my wife saw us on facebook she just became my friend sam
1: oh my goodness i'm touched it only took her out never mind <laughs> if you're watching i still love you hon
0: Sam, where can we learn more information about the great stuff that you're laughing at right now? And um, I'll be in
1: the doghouse. No, <laughs> um, you can find me at mybabblelessclassroom
0: And Rob, where do we go to find more information about the things that you're doing?
2: Rob Pennington nine on Twitter is the place to go.
0: And one more time, I want to say thank you, guys. Um, for those of you who are out there looking at. What's going on in the world of TeacherCast? Um, I'll also kind of open the book a little bit uh, to celebrate four wonderful years of being an EduDaddy. Uh, we have decided, Sam four and I, years. four years. We've decided to uh, to do a little housekeeping. Uh, TeacherCast right now is in the beginning stages of a brand new uh, redesign. Uh, working with a fantastic company, uh, we're going to be a, a recast. There you go. Um, so lot more news coming out for that stick around a new logo new design new layout new everything coming to you hopefully we're going to be launching around the beginning of the school year so uh calendar year i should say so uh, two months hopefully we'll be launching all of that stuff so stick around keep a lot of good stuff there thank you guys for joining us we're of course live here every single tuesday night on behalf of everybody here in the teacher cast educational broadcasting network my name is jeff bradbury reminding you to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students.